Hey, this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Rev.com. We do all of our transcriptions here on the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast using Rev.com, and I'm going to give you a special offer in just a bit. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. My guest today is Neil Patel. He is the founder, creator of some tools uh, that many of you use, uh, Hello Bar, Crazy Egg, Kiss Metrics, also the author, creator of an awesome blog called Quick Sprout uh, that I send people to frequently. And somehow or another, he finally got around to writing a book. Uh, that book is called Hustle, The Power to Change Your Life with Money, Meaning, and Momentum. So, Neil, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So, I, you know, I, I, I actually had Robert Cialdini uh, on the show um, recently, and, you know, he's the author of Influence and uh, has another book uh, out uh, currently, and it, and it was 30 years between those two books. <laughs> so I had to ask him, you know, what took him so long? But I think there's probably a lot of people wondering, why is this Neil Patel's first book? I just haven't had the time. And it was funny after this book came out. You're too you're too busy writing other content. That's yeah, blog. And the funny thing is, right after the book came out, I've had so many people ask me if I want to write another book, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just got one out there. Like, <laughs> I'm not ready for any more books at the moment. <laughs> yeah, actually, you're in that uh, window uh, where I swear I'll never write another book. You know, that kind of after you've you've come out of it, and now you're doing all the hustle of promoting it. <laughs> so, let me ask you this then. You know, why was now? The, the, the time for you to write a book? I just felt that it was a great point in my time uh, to try to capture a new audience. So I have, especially online, I have most people who are interested in learning about marketing, at least online marketing. And now I'm trying to just help people who want to start businesses. And I was like, you know what? Why not try to write a book because it can reach a really broad audience? Yeah, and, and I actually really like that because you're you're right. You've written almost anything. Somebody who wants to generate traffic or things like that. You've you've written a ton about that. Um, this another book by you maybe wouldn't add that much to it, but I really like how you've kind of taken in a lot of ways your life experience, your business experience, and said, you know, here's what I've learned um, through through the years. Now you have a couple of co-authors uh, on this. Uh, how did that come about? Yeah, so we are all thinking about the similar ideas. So Jonas, Patrick, and I. You know, we've known each other for a while, and we were just like, hey, it'd be really great to write a book that just helps people find their passion in life, succeed at whatever they want to do, and not just, just necessarily entrepreneurship. It could just be that they want to improve in the corporate workplace and climb the corporate ladder, or they feel that they're stuck in life and they're not sure what to do next, and they just feel like nothing is progressing and life sucks, right? We just want to help people accomplish their goals, and it's not necessarily financial goals, just whatever makes them happy. So one of the things, you, you break the book into three sections, which I like. Um, I, to me, it kind of guides it. Uh, uh, so it's heart, uh, head, and habits. And in, in some ways, that's kind of the, the progression maybe of, of how somebody learns to, uh, that, that they're on the right path as well and, and how to stay on the right path. Um, one of the things that in the first section that kind of took me, uh, because it's a little counterintuitive, a lot of people think in terms of people starting businesses is that's like the ultimate risk. Um, and I think that you turn that on its head a little bit and talk about, you know, if you're not doing what you were meant to be doing, if you're not starting a business, if you're miserable, that, that that's a, that's actually riskier than, you know, creating some venture that you can be passionate about. Yeah. It, you, you just need to go out there and do something, right? Uh, the big philosophy about going and trying different things, not necessarily doing a whole venture, but just the whole concept of trying different things, it'll help you, it'll lead you to your passion and what you love in life. 
Yeah, and I think there's so many books out there that talk about, you know, you have to sit down one day and decide what you're passionate about. And that's that's really, I don't think that's possible. I don't think that's how it's done, is it? No, it's not really how it's done. It's so funny. I was speaking to someone earlier today, and someone was telling me, they're like, you know when you're a kid and you dream about being an astronaut? You know, you think that as you grow up you want to be an astronaut. But most people don't really do what they've dreamed of as a kid. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. And they're like, do you think we should all go back and do what we dreamed up as, as a kid? Because most of us are not happy. And I was like, no. And they're like, why not? And I'm like, well, as a kid, you want to be an astronaut. Even though that may seem awesome as a kid, as an adult, if that's what you dreamed up, the chances are you're not going to love it. And what you should just be doing is trying out different things. And it'll two things will happen. Either one, you'll find out what you dislike really quickly. And two, you'll eventually be led down a path on what you love from that. So for example, my first venture was a job board. Build miserably, but from it, I realized that people just don't come to your website and I learned how to market it. I fell in love with marketing. So I decided to get into consulting. From there, I realized that I hated consulting, even though I loved marketing and it wasn't for me. But through consulting, clients had issues. One of the big issues was is they couldn't figure out what made people convert on their own website. So we created a software company from that. I didn't care to necessarily create software. I love the concept of it, but I found my passion, and that passion was marketing my own businesses. Um, yeah, and I, and one thing you pointed out that I, I want to go back to is that idea of, of it's okay to find out what you don't like too. In fact, that's you know that's part of the learning process. You know, a lot of times when I'm interviewing clients and trying to get them to uh, decide you know who their ideal client is, um, it's a lot easier for me to say, okay, who don't you want to work with? Because that sort of rings truer, or at least comes to mind faster. Yeah, no, you got it right. It's process of elimination. If you quickly figure out what you don't want to do, eventually it'll narrow down what you could be potentially doing. You um, introduce, uh, or at least use in this book, a couple terms that I want to d- dive into. Uh, one is, uh, I believe it's pronounced hormesis, the idea of kind of stress for success. Um, and I wondered if you would try to apply that to, to why, why, why you believe that's an important uh, element of, of growth. Yeah, sure. So when you're not stressed out, think of it this way. If everything in your life is fine and dandy, what happens, right? So you're on duct tape marketing. If every day of your life is easy and you never had anything to stress about, what's going to happen in your life? You probably get pretty complacent. Yeah. And, and when you get complacent, do you have anything that's driving you to do better, keep learning more, growing, etc.? Right, right, right. So when you have some sort of stress, it's good. You need to get out of your comfort zone. Because that stress makes you think, makes you be creative, makes you take action, right? Causes momentum, all these types of things. When you don't have stress and things are really easy, and I see this a lot with uh, trust fund babies, in which I have a ton of friends in New York, I'm in New York right now, who have generated quite a bit of income uh, just from their parents, in which they, they didn't necessarily uh, like have to make that income, but they just got that income purely from their parents, right? Like got $100 million or whatever it was, a large amount of money. They're bored in life and they want to create these ventures and they want to do things, but their life isn't stressful. And it's so easy that there's no pressure for them to learn, innovate, succeed. They're just like, ah, whatever happens, happens. That's not how you grow as an individual. Yeah, I mean, look at look at the countless stories of people that really had their back against the wall. They were down to their last dime, and and they just, you know, they they, they sort of had to either sink or swim. And those are some of the people that uh, you know that's that's your rags to riches kind of story come about because they were in that position. I think. 
This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Rev.com. There are so many ridiculously valuable reasons to order transcriptions. You can write entire blog posts. Heck, you could write an entire book by just speaking it and having Rev put together a transcript that you can then just bring on home. I mean, if you want to record a meeting so that you have notes, again, over and over, there are so many good reasons. If you just want to take notes when you're listening to something and you just want to record those notes and get it, it's it's amazing um, what the reasons you can find for doing this. And Rev gets those transcripts, as I said, they, they do our podcast. They get those transcripts back to you lightning fast. And I'm going to give you a free trial offer uh, if you go to rev.com slash blog slash DTM, and that'll be in the show notes too, but uh, you're going to get a $100 coupon to try them out, and I suggest you do it. So another term, uh, and this was actually um, something I'd re- I'd heard some economists um, talk about, uh, but, but never uh, necessarily applied it to business. And I, I love when terms come from other areas and you can apply them to business, but obliquity. Uh, the idea that, that it, there is no, you, you can't sit down and just say, here's my vision for my business and I'm going to take that path there. But but that success actually is more indirect than that, isn't it? That's correct. Yeah, because when you see a path and you're just like, this is what's going to happen, chances are it's usually not what's going to end up being the end result. And I see this all the time with venture capitalists. So I've been in San Francisco for years, raised money. And you know what one feedback or piece of advice that every single investor has told me? They're like, yeah, when we invest in a company, we invest in the people. And I was like, why is this? And they're like, the vision, the path that you take to succeed, right? The original picture, original concept is very rarely what you end up with. It's, they never really see the end company being the same one that was originally pitched. You learn, you have to adapt, market conditions change, competitors arise, etc. And for that reason the way you get to the end is typically an indirect path. It could be from learnings or you learn there's a shortcut or there's a more efficient way, or you may end up learning that the business model won't work and you've tried many different paths and it isn't going to happen. And then from there you can spin up a different business. For example, Twitter came out of Odeo or Odeo. I forgot what it was called. This is that podcast site. And from it, they weren't doing well at all, but they built Twitter internally and they're like, Oh, just seems like a much better idea. And yeah, people could say Twitter's struggling right now, but they're still a multi-billion dollar company. All right. So uh, why the term hustle? Um, you know, that that um, comes pretty loaded uh, with uh, some some ideas, you know, presuppositions. Um, how, how does that term play out for you? Yeah, so the way we see hustle isn't like most people. So during my dad's age and time, when the word hustle was used, he was like, oh, you're going to go and sell drugs on the street corner. Right. Yeah. 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 Or you're going to get hustled. You know, that's a gonna... term too. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But if you've been looking at the last, and which you have, if you look at the last five, 10 years, the concept has been changing, right? You're seeing people everywhere out there being like, well, I want to make something happen. I'm going to hustle, right? It's the act of doing something and trying to be more efficient at it and figuring out how to get what you want in maybe uh, unconventional ways. And you're seeing everyone talk about it. For example, one of the biggest authors in our space is Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary Vaynerchuk is notoriously known for using the word hustle, right? And we want to change the meaning or what everyone perceives it. And it's actually not that hard, right? With the younger generations, there's not much to change meaning-wise. It's more so with the older generation. 
Yeah, and, and, and actually um, there's a very positive connotation when you think of uh, how people apply it to, say, sports uh, athletes, uh, you know, that, that you, you out-hustle somebody, you're just willing to work harder and, and try something different uh, as opposed to, uh, to, to really just resting on your laurels. Yep, you got it right. There's another concept that I uh, really like that, um, and, and you think about it, it makes total sense uh, that we should be doing this, and it's your uh, personal opportunity portfolio or, or pop, I think you call call it throughout the book. The, the, you know, the portfolio, like the graphic designer, you know, shows up uh, for the job interview with their portfolio, uh, but I think you've taken that concept and said, hey, everybody ought to be doing that. Yeah. The other thing I want you to think about is companies and IPOs. A company can grow their value and they can IPO and they can keep increasing and growing. Why can't individuals? You yourself can keep building up your brand, your portfolio. You can increase your value over time. There's no real, and a great example of this is Kim Kardashian. If you look at her over the years, she's increased her pop. And now companies will pay her arm and a leg to just go out there and post something on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it may be because she's such a powerful brand out there. In essence, she's built up a really strong pop. And why can't individuals out there do it? You don't have to be in the celebrity space. Uh, For me, I've built up my brand through content marketing and blogging. Not only does it help me drive business, but I can get paid to speak. I can get paid to write books. Right, the possibilities are endless, and so many doors are opening. And you have a similar journey as well, right? Through the podcast, through the blog, it's probably opened up a lot of doors for you. You bet, absolutely. Uh, another concept uh, that I uh, think is really interesting, and I, I've heard other people talk about this. Now we're in the habits, I suppose. Um, this idea, but um, the ten-minute rule. You want to explain how you've how 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 that has changed your life? Yeah. So we all have goals. If you want to achieve your goal, just for ten minutes. Try doing something that will help you get closer to it. Once you've done it for 10 minutes, evaluate. Has that helped you get closer to your goal? If it has, do more of it. If it hasn't, shift your approach. It's just taking little actions can create drastic changes in your life. It's usually not one thing, though. It's a lot of little things that add up. And we're teaching you by just taking little actions that you can get further into accomplishing what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, and I, and I think it also, you know, sometimes just getting started is is really all you need. You, you use the example in the book about exercise. You know, there are a lot of times when I just feel like, eh, I don't really want to do this, but then I kind of force myself to do it. And, you know, within a few minutes, I'm like, I'm glad I did this. So I, I do think that, uh, I, I do think it has a little bit of, uh, of that getting started, you know, the, the inertia it takes to get started. Definitely. Yeah, and, and when you look at it as 10 minutes, it's not overwhelming, right? You're like, oh, I'll leave, have to do this for 10 minutes. Not a big deal. If I tell you to go do something for an hour, you're just like, one hour, that's a lot of time. Now, another uh, thing I want to dive into, um, a lot of people, I think, really try to be the best at what they do, and, and that that's a noble goal. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, but I think you also talk about a lot of people end up succeeding by, I don't want to say they're intentionally mediocre, but, you know, maybe they're sort of mediocre at a number of things that they can combine. I, you know, I, I, I would never tell anybody I'm a great writer or a great speaker, uh, but I have written five books and 4,000 blog posts and done four or 500, you know, presentations now, uh, partly because I just wanted to do it and I started doing it and, and the, being kind of mediocre, I've certainly hopefully gotten better, but being kind of mediocre at a number of things has actually allowed me to excel sort of 
aggregately, if that makes sense. And uh, I, I wonder if you feel like that's been your journey to some extent. It has. I'm not necessarily great at one thing. Yeah, people can say I'm really good at marketing, but I'm probably decent at a lot of components at marketing. When you combine them, it makes me dangerous. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000-hour rule, in which if you do something for 10,000 hours, you'll become an expert. What we say is you're, there's a lot of things uh that you're going to suck at. There's going to be some things that you're mediocre at and you're going to have a natural talent. When you try different things, you'll figure out what your natural talent is. And if you spend time perfecting your natural talent, and usually if you're talented at something, you usually love it because what's easier for you is typically the thing that you fall more in love with. If you start trying to improve it, you can actually make a career, a living off of it, right? Especially when you combine it with your other abilities. So you have put together a website that uh, you actually have a few uh, of the tools that you talk about. You have some resources there at uh, hustlegeneration.com. Is that right? That's correct. And uh, anywhere else you want to send people to find out more about you and the, and uh, the various things that you're doing? Uh, neilpatel.com. Great. Well, Neil, thanks so much uh, for joining us. Hustle, the power to change your life with money, meaning, and momentum is available uh, everywhere. And I suggest uh, it, it is just the nuggets that you, a handful of nuggets that you could pull out of it uh, in, in a quick read are well worth the price of the book. So, Neil, thanks for joining us. Hopefully, we'll see you out there on the road. Thank you for having me.